Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. If you've been listening to our uh, radio show for the last few weeks, uh, you have noticed that we are going through the series of the church, ecclesiology, the study of the church. And we are looking at uh, the Bible as our reference, as our inspiration, and as our manual for what the church is uh, in regards to its makeup, in regards to uh, its function, in regards to its origin. Uh, If you missed any of the previous episodes, we encourage you to go online to our website and it'll connect you to the radio show uh, whereby this uh, podcast exists. So we've been going through this series of the church, ecclesiology, uh, the study of the church. And last week, we touched on the expression of the church. The expression of the church is rooted in love. That's what we talked about. The Bible tells us that uh, we can do everything that uh, God wants us to do, but if it's done for the wrong motive, uh, that offering is going to burn up. So everything we do for God must be rooted in charity, must be rooted in love. We must express the love for God to other people uh, through the right motive. We must do it with love. We touched on Philippians 2, 1, and 3, where it says, if there's going to be any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection, any sympathy, uh, sympathy is going to exist. Uh, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So we are to look out for one another. We all are to put the same energy towards pleasing other people uh, the way that God wants uh, to serve other people. And when we look out for one another, everybody needs get met because I'm looking out for you. You're looking out for me. He's looking out for him and she's looking out for her. And we are looking out for one another. And when you do that, everybody gets covered. But the problem arises when we have individuals within the church family who choose to be just spectators. They just want to watch other people Uh, shell out love. They want to watch other people participate in ministry. They want to watch other people pray. They want to watch other people read the Bible. They want other people to study the word of God, and they're not willing to put the same energy towards uh, the body of Christ. So as a result, the uh, church is missing out on vital parts uh, of membership that is part of the one unified body. So um, when the members boycott or the members refuse to participate, it hinders the efficacy of what the church can do. Not what God can do, 
but what the church can do because we're not all on the same page. Romans 12 and 10, we're talking about the local church as well as the global church. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Same concept. Same concept. Let us uh, try to uh, outdo one another as it relates to agape love. Let us try to outdo one another as it relates to mercy. Let us try to outdo one another when it comes to service. Let us outdo one another uh, when it comes to forgiveness. Let us outdo one another when it comes to intercessory prayer. Uh, those are the things that matters that matter the most. Those are the eternal things. So uh, Paul is saying, let us raise the bar. Let us set the standard of trying to outserve one another, not just for competition's sake, but for the sake of uh, the mindset that I want to be of use. I want to be a servant. And part of being a servant is that I need to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ, and then I need to serve those outside the church as the Holy Spirit leads. And so last week, that was the summation of what we talked about, the expression of the church of Christ. On today's episode, I wanted to transition to the makeup of the church, the makeup of the church. Um, And oftentimes, some of us are um, part of this rhetoric that uh, we go to a white church or we go to a black church or we go to a Filipino church or we go to an Asian church. And that is a human construct, meaning that that type of talk uh, is really humanistic. God didn't die, Jesus didn't die for a black or white church or a Filipino church or an Asian church or a Hindu church. God didn't die for a church um, who identified themselves with a color. He died for whosoever will. So if you want to align yourself with, um, with a group If you want to identify yourself, then identify yourself the way that Jesus sees us, the way that Jesus has labeled us. But a lot of the labels that we put on our churches are human constructs. So uh, my desire is to be at a Bible teaching church, a church that teaches sound doctrine, a church that offers Hugues healthy doctrine. Uh, the doctrine of the word, the church that understands the difference between major and minor doctrines, a church that's able to say in the major essentials, unity, in the secondary essentials, liberty, but in all things, charity. That's the type of church I want to be a part of. A church that teaches sound doctrine is a church that I can live with. It's a church that God wants us to be a part of because we're teaching the gospel. And if you teach the gospel the way that the gospel has been given to us, then it doesn't matter what the color of the skin is because the gospel saves uh, those that are white. It saves those that are black. The gospel saves those that are yellow. It saves those that are red. The gospel saves whosoever will. So the gospel unifies us. The gospel Uh, makes us one. And the makeup of the church consists of all types of people. Now, here's the difference. In some of contemporary uh, teachings, I'm talking about Christian, so-called Christian teachings, 
a lot of the uh, uh, some of our, uh, the teachers have misconstrued this concept of whosoever. Yes, it's true. The Bible teaches us that we should come to Jesus as we are. But here's the second part that a lot of these teachers are not willing to um, explain or articulate. We come to Jesus as we are, but once we come to him, we don't remain the same. So if I say I'm a Christian and I come to Jesus as as a gambler, as long as I keep walking with Jesus, I'm going to learn that it's not prudent to waste God's money on gambling. If I come to uh, Jesus as a thief and I start walking with Jesus, I start reading about Jesus, I start studying his word, I'm going to come to a conclusion that Jesus is not um, open or he hasn't endorsed me being a thief. If I'm a liar and I come to Christ, and we should, we come as we are, but as long as we get to know Jesus, he lets us know that certain habits are not acceptable. And then because he's Lord, we are open to let it go. We are open to agree with Christ that certain habits are not permissible and I need to not do them anymore. So that's the teaching of the gospel where we've, uh, uh, we see uh, people that were pagans who accepted Christ. And once they became Christians, they gave away the uh, paganistic culture and teaching. That's the that's been the identity of all converted Christians. Once we grow in holiness, once we go through sanctification, there are things we were doing prior to accepting Christ that God does not endorse. And he desires for us to give those things up because there's no way for us to keep uh, uh, keep hanging on to those things that God has already condemned because God will not go against himself. God is not going to contradict himself. So when God says, I love you. I want to be in a relationship with you, but you got to give this up. He means it. He means it. And it doesn't matter who else tells you it's okay. It's not okay. When God says something is a sin, it is a sin. When God says something is righteous, it is righteous. So we must adjust our will to God in order to please him. So when we talk about the makeup of the church, God says there's neither Jew nor Greek There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So ontologically, God sees us all as the same. Ontologically, as human beings, God is saving human beings. God is not just saving uh, a different type of person. God is saving all humans who are ready to say I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. doesn't matter if you're in Papua New Guinea. God wants to save you. It doesn't matter if you're in the uttermost part of the world. God wants to save you. You can be in Timbuktu. God wants to save you. You can be in um, uh, wherever you find yourself or wherever the gospel finds them. And, and you, you, you can be in an Arab country, and God wants to save them. So uh, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your language is. It doesn't matter where your background is. It doesn't matter where you got your education from. It doesn't matter how bad you were prior to accepting Christ. He wants a loving relationship with you. 
So neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Ontologically, we are one. Ontologically, there's no one human better than the other human. God is saving souls, and souls have no color. Then we look at Acts chapter 2. It says they spoke in other tongues, but we cannot dismiss Luke's emphasis on those in attendance. So we're talking about the day of Pentecost. It says on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, there were devout men from every nation under heaven. Verse 5. Acts 2 and 5. And please pay close attention to the makeup of the church. So uh, we can't get territorial. We cannot say we being in a Western culture have more of an advantage than those in Eastern culture or Northern culture or Southern culture. We are all the same. God sees us all the same. There's no one nationality that is more holy than another nationality. What God is looking at is the heart condition. Once the heart has been circumcised, that's the criteria God is using. Have your heart been circumcised? Have you repented? Have you made Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? God is not looking at bank accounts. God is not looking at progress and technology. God is first looking at the soul. Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the litmus test that he's going by. So regardless of where you were born, regardless of your passport, regardless of the language, regardless of the culture, the rich cultures that we all have, regardless of all of that, God's number one priority is, have you accepted my son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And if you've done that, then you're in the family. And once you're in the family, we're all on the same level. Acts chapter 2. They spoke in other tongues, but we cannot dismiss what Luke was trying to emphasize here by those in attendance. He wanted to show the church, number one, and the unchurched, number two. He wanted to show them and remind us, those that were coming behind the first century Christians, that God is saving all all people. So the makeup of the church is whosoever will. Whosoever will, around the globe, whosoever will, wherever you're coming from, if you run into the gospel, God desires to have a loving relationship with you. This is why we have to evangelize. This is why we have to disciple and let people know that God is looking for a loving relationship with them. And he wants them to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Number one, we see that there were Galileans present, verse 7. We see that there were Parthians in verse 9, ancient Iranians. Then there were the Medes also in verse 9, uh, the same people as before. Then the Elamites who came from the Sumerian ver- uh, uh, region, uh, the Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia region. Then dwellers in Mesopotamia grouped along with the Elamites. Judea, verse 9. Cappadocia, verse 9. Pontus, verse 9. Asia, verse 9. Phrygia, verse 10. Pamphylia, verse 10. Egypt, verse 10. Cyrene, verse 10. Rome, verse 10. And Crete, which is 
um, verse 11. So here we are. We have all of these representatives from around the globe. And the point is, God uh, was saving or offering salvation to whosoever will. So all of these collections of Christians identify themselves as followers of Jesus. But here is the noteworthy part. They were all from different countries. All of them spoke in their own dialect. But the miracle was the Holy Spirit coming like a Russian wind and causing a miracle experience whereby they were all able to speak in other tongues. And there's a difference between other tongues versus unknown tongues. And that's another episode when we deal with charisma, when we deal with charity. And we'll touch on that at an, on another episode. But they were all speaking in other tongues, meaning other dialects. How is this possible? We know that it's possible because God performs miracles. And what is the intent of them speaking in other tongues? God wanted to demonstrate to them in this way, when God performs miracles, it's not arbitrary what he decides to do. He performed miracles to authenticate the messenger and to authenticate the message. So God knows what type of miracle he wants to use to get the attention of those that, that are in attendance. And he knew for these people coming on the day of Pentecost, assembling as a new church, he knew this would get their attention. Their ability to speak in, in other people's tongue, we're all Christians. But yet during the first century, uh, at this time on this day for this event, they all spoke different languages. So how did they communicate? God wanted them to, uh, to demonstrate to them that through his supernatural ability, abilities and through his dunamis power, he's able to perform, uh, perform a miracle that they would not miss. Their ability to speak in each other's tongue was a wake-up call, was a validation to show them that the same God who raised up Jesus is the same God that's allowing them to speak in a foreign tongue. And they were all uh, in marvel over that. They, they were marveling over how their God was able to use them to speak in other people in another language that they didn't go to school for, to speak in another language that they weren't uh, educated in, to speak another language that wasn't part of their vocabulary. But God, through his supernatural ability, was able to uh, make them speak in these other languages. And I marvel when I read that passage. The point is, the point is God is trying to get them to understand that he's saving or he desires to save whosoever will. This is why we learn in Matthew that Jesus wanted his disciples to go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever that whatsoever he's commanding them. And lo, he said, this is my assurance. I'll be with you all way, even unto the end of the world. So God wants us to go to our neighborhoods. He wants for us to go to our communities. He wants for us to go to our marketplaces. Wherever we go, Jesus wants us to be ready to share the gospel in charity or in love. 
That's what it's about, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is all of us going forth and sharing the gospel with other people, giving them a chance to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Then let's not just share the gospel with people that look like us. The gospel should not be restricted to people that just talk like us. It should not be restricted to people in our own uh, group that we've assembled. Uh, sometimes you see people uh, become click-ish. They form cliques and they profess to be Christians. That's contradictory. You can't be a Christian and be standoffish. You can't be a Christian and form cliques where you exclude other people. You can't be a Christian and make other people feel like they can't be part of your so-called special group. That's not a Christian conduct. So we have to be open. We have to go outside of our comfort zone. We have to share the gospel as the Holy Spirit leads us to share the gospel. So uh, we have to be open. And if you lean on the spirit, we can't go wrong. Uh, he might have you share with someone that you normally wouldn't uh, share with, but God wants us to anyway. All of us should be free to share the gospel with whosoever will. Everybody needs an opportunity to hear the gospel. Everybody needs an opportunity to hear the good news uh, because we all benefit from the good news. Good news is not based on color, meaning that the the, the gospel is not restricted to one color, one creed. It's for everybody. Everybody can take advantage of the gospel. Everybody needs Jesus, regardless of their background, regardless of their culture, regardless of their idiosyncrasies, regardless of their appetites. Everybody can benefit from knowing Jesus Christ because he's the creator. He's the creator. He understands us. And he didn't die for some people. He died for all people. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what we learn in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the gospel is not just for some. The gospel, gospel is for all people. All people need to have a relationship with Jesus. Then our next uh, session is the goal of the church. The goal of the church. What is the church supposed to do? What is the church supposed to do? Now, in our next episode, we'll deal more into the goal of the church and uh, the functionality or what the church is supposed to be involved in. Uh, over the years, I've run into people that were unchurched who had certain expectations of the church. And even some people that do attend church have a false view of what the church should be doing. So on our next episode, we're going to unpack the goal of the church and what the church ought to be doing. Well, our time have come to a close. I pray that you receive something from today's episode that will help you in your Christian walk. I pray that you continue to lift us up, intercede on our behalf, that the Lord may open up various doors for us to continue training Christians in sound doctrine. And if you desire to uh, support us financially, and we need your support, uh, please go online to srministries.org, or you may send your donation made out to SRM, P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. 
Remember to continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.